Section four of the National Geographic Magazine, Volume two, numbers three to five. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Law of Storms, considered with special reference to the North Atlantic, by Everett Hayden. Abstract of a paper read before the National Geographic Society, November the fifteenth, eighteen eighty nine. In preparing an abstract of this paper, it is of course difficult to adhere very closely to the original. Inasmuch as that was illustrated by forty-five lantern slides, while it is only practicable to present a few plates with this abstract, I may therefore be permitted to give only a general outline of the subject with perhaps a more detailed discussion of one or two of the most notable recent hurricanes off our Atlantic coast. The term law of storms is applied to the code of rules that should govern the action of the master of a vessel when he has reason to suspect the approach of a dangerous storm. It will be seen that this definition, like the code itself, is somewhat vague so many considerations enter as factors in the question that it is wholly impossible to lay down any rules that shall be applicable alike to a high-powered well-manned steamship and to a heavily laden poorly equipped and short-handed sailing vessel disregarding such differences of conditions which are of course of vital importance in each individual case but which cannot be discussed in a brief general essay the two grand divisions of the subject may be compared to grand strategy and field tactics. By this I mean that a broad, comprehensive view of the whole subject of ocean storms, their regions, seasons, size, severity, and tracks, is one very important part of the navigator's duty in planning a long campaign or voyage, and, secondly, the handling of his vessel when actually in the fight. The coolness clear-headedness and trained experience that utilizes every resource of the best seamanship and navigation in a fearful struggle with the fury of a hurricane all of these are also an essential part of the education of the ideal sea captain thanks to the progress of meteorologic research it is comparatively easy nowadays for anyone to get a very good general idea of the great hurricane regions of the globe and the seasons when these dreaded tropic cyclones prevail in each of these regions the evidence of this subject is cumulative and practically conclusive so that it is universally known and recognized that the hurricane months are the summer months in each hemisphere hurricanes originate in the tropics move westward then poleward into the temperate zones and finally eastward in higher latitudes receding gradually from the equator Moreover, the essential difference between hurricanes north and south of the line is as follows. In the northern hemisphere, the rotation of the cyclonic whirl is against the hands of a watch, and in the southern, with. The noted hurricane regions are the West Indies, coast of China and Japan, Bay of Bengal, especially in May and October, at the time of the change of the monsoons, and the South Indian Ocean, about Mauritius less noted regions are the south pacific east of australia the north pacific west of the mexican coast and the arabian sea in planning a distant voyage 
a navigator should therefore consider the hurricane regions through which he must pass just as he considers the prevailing winds the trades monsoons and ocean currents the handling of a ship in a hurricane is a very different sort of a thing from this general survey of the entire field and without the eminently practical qualities that we all associate with a good officer of the navy or mercantile marine no mere theoretic knowledge can avail much and yet this is one of those cases where practice and theory should go hand in hand not theory as something vague and unreal but theory as based upon a firm foundation of observed facts if a vessel encounter a hurricane certain conclusions can be drawn from observations of the shifts of wind the fluctuations of the barometer the appearance of the clouds and the direction of the ocean swell the master of that vessel will undoubtedly draw such conclusions and store them away in his mind as part of his fund of experience upon which to base action at some future time but if he can consider his own observations while fresh in mind in connection with these observations made on board many other vessels that encountered the same storm and modify or verify his conclusions by such comparison there cannot be a doubt but that the lesson will be of far greater value sailors lead a rough life and their training is often acquired by experience alone. Moreover, there are certain things that tend to discourage effort on the part of junior officers, even on board naval vessels. They realize that their duty is not to originate orders, but to execute them, and sooner or later they get out of the habit of reflecting upon the action taken to avoid a storm or maneuvering in one, not knowing at the time what considerations lead to the action that was taken, and not always having anything brought forcibly to their attention, to indicate with certainty whether the action was well considered or ill-advised. Upon finally attaining command themselves, they are not, therefore, as well posted as they might otherwise have been. I mention these things to explain the undoubted fact that comparatively few masters of vessels are well posted in certain very important additions to the old law of storms, as it was discovered by Redfield, and enforced by Reed, Piddington, Tom, and other early writers. In fact, of all the navigators of various nationalities who have charged today of the commerce of the world, probably four-fifths are wholly ignorant of the progress that has been made in this direction in the past fifty years. That such is the case is not, in my opinion, wholly their fault. It is owing to the fact that far too little attention has been paid to clear, forcible, and convincing explanation. It is the fault of the teachers, no less than the scholars, of meteorologists, who talk over the heads of their audiences instead of stating facts and conclusions in a way to command attention and respect from the practical men who furnish the data and who deserve some tangible results in return for the long years of voluntary observation it is difficult to put this matter very clearly to those who are not familiar with the conditions that govern the management of a vessel at sea and i shall only attempt to do so in a very general way it should be understood, first of all, that the hurricane is an enormous whirlwind, so large, in fact, that its circular nature was generally recognized only about fifty years ago. At the immediate center of the whirl there is a calm space, from five or ten to thirty or forty miles in diameter, generally with blue sky and bright sunlight. Within a short distance of this central calm the wind blows with frightful violence, and here a vessel is driven along, in absolute helplessness, enveloped in midnight darkness, 
buried in a flying mass of foam and spray with every sound annihilated by the roar and shrieks of the elements the core of the hurricane as this region has been called is small relative to the entire area and it thus happens that a few miles may make all the difference between shipwreck and safety the question is then to avoid getting into the core or heart of the hurricane it is evident enough that if the wind blow in a strictly circular direction around the centre the bearing or direction of the centre must be at exactly right angles eight points to the right or left of the direction of the wind in other words in the northern hemisphere where the direction of rotation is against the hands of a watch the centre bears eight points to the right of the wind that is to the right of the direction from which the wind blows in the case of a hurricane off our coasts for instance if the wind be northeast at hatteras the centre would bear according to the eight-point rule southeast considering further that the entire world has a progressive motion along a path or track if an observer at hatteras find that the northeast wind freshens rapidly without any shift or change of direction it is equally evident that the centre of the storm is approaching directly toward that point in a similar situation at sea a shipmaster would naturally see that his vessel was in a position of great danger evidently the best thing to do would be to run before the wind thus getting out of the way of the approaching hurricane this simple case will explain pretty clearly i think how rules were at once formulated and adopted as soon as redfield had proved the approximately circular character of these storms without going further into this subject inasmuch as this eight-point rule is perhaps the most important of all the rules indeed all of them follow directly from it suppose that subsequent research based upon careful observation and the accurate charting of hundreds of reports from vessels in similar storms in various oceans proved conclusively that the wind in a hurricane does not blow in strictly circular whirls but rather spirally inward so that with the northeast wind of hatteras the centre bears probably south-southeast or even south evidently this is a matter of vital importance to the navigator and all the old rules should be remodelled to suit the discovery such is indeed actually the fact and in most cases nothing could be worse than to run directly before the wind in any event it would be dangerous and in the case of a slow-moving cyclone it might readily lead the vessel directly into the core of the hurricane this is known to have been the case in many instances and vessels have thus been drawn into the inner whirls of hurricanes and kept there for several days making one or more complete revolutions around the centre before they could extricate themselves in fact they might never have gotten out if the storm itself had not moved off and left them the first of the accompanying plates entitled west indian hurricanes and other north atlantic storms gives a brief and yet complete resume of what is perhaps the best modern practice in these brief statements the attempt has been made to put concisely intelligibly and completely if one will but read each and every sentence as carefully as they were written the very latest most important and best established facts with which every navigator should be familiar the paragraph entitled intensified trade wind belt for instance is very important a close consideration of the caution expressed in these few lines may prevent a serious mistake 
that might be made by a too rigid adherence to the old rules. The idea is as follows. It has been proved by Meldrum, from his studies of Mauritius hurricanes, that the south-east trade winds blow toward a part of the track of a hurricane rather than at right angles to the direction of its centre, and it is therefore unsafe to assume that the centre bears at right angles to the wind, or that, because the trade wind increases in strength without any decided change of direction, the centre is approaching directly toward the vessel. This principle might naturally be expected to hold for similar storms in other regions, and Abercrombie, in a thorough study of the whole subject, has shown that such is the case. Although he states that, quote, the position of this belt of intensified trades differs in every hurricane region, so that a special set of rules are necessary for each country, unquote. It seems to me, I must say, that in the absence of such special rules, the law may safely be assumed to be general. Its importance to navigators is certainly very great, and its principal effect must be to urge the greatest caution in making any attempt to cross the track of a hurricane from the dangerous to the navigable semicircle. The next plate, the hurricane of November twenty fifth, eighteen eighty eight, is a very instructive illustration of an actual hurricane and one of the most severe on record off our atlantic coast the spiral lines have been added to bring out conspicuously the wind circulation and several features will at once attract attention the elongated shape of the storm along a north and south line the direction of motion the wide region where there is a southeasterly gale exactly analogous to the belt of intensified trades the long sweep of northeasterly winds along the coast and the marked variation from a strictly circular whirl the right-hand side is a dangerous semicircle and it is here that the navigator is called upon to decide whether he shall dare make the attempt to run before the wind and cross the track of the storm the left-hand side is a navigable semicircle not very navigable in this particular case we may well believe, with no sea-room to the westward, a fearful north-northeast gale, and a terrific sea. This is a case where every resource of seamanship and navigation may fail to save a ship, as the loss of the steamship Semana and a dozen other strong vessels with all on board bears sad testimony. Let me quote a few lines from a thrilling report by Captain Drew of the American ship Sea Witch, this vessel's position is plotted on the chart about latitude thirty-two degrees north, longitude seventy-five degrees west. Quote, November twenty-fourth, hurricane from northeast. Our position a perilous one, the ship rolling heavily and filling the decks with water. An awful gale, the worst we have ever had. How will it end? At three p.m., the sun out a moment through the thick sky. November twenty-fifth still blowing a hurricane with awful squalls of rain the seventh day of the gale no side lights can burn the binnacle light goes out as fast as we can light it one blast from the north blew our brand new lower maintopsail away like brown paper we performed the critical manoeuvre of wearing sheep which saved the vessel we were foundering Unquote. Verily, this was out of the jaws of death, 
and probably there were few more sincere thanksgiving services than those held on board this vessel on november twenty ninth eighteen eighty eight as recorded in her log one other report may be referred to here as it is of a special interest it is from the british steamship effective whose position is plotted about half-way between bermuda and new york at this time the wind was south-southeast force eight and the storm centre was moving directly toward her we learn from captain crosby's report that by noon local time the wind was strong from south at four thirty p m a hard gale from east moderating until midnight barometer falling very rapidly november twenty sixth very heavy gale from northeast ship heading bow to sea noon wind east barometer twenty eight point sixty five p m wind north to northeast twenty eight point twenty ten p m southwest midnight west twenty eight point twenty this report illustrates the experience of a vessel close to the line of sudden shift of wind from southeast to north northeast and sustains very well the spiral lines drawn on the chart just where there is an absence of data on the chart itself lack of space does not allow of further details and i must go on to the next plate the st thomas hatteras hurricane of september the third to twelfth eighteen eighty nine this plate is copied exactly from a supplement issued with a pilot chart for october eighteen eighty nine published september the twenty seventh with only the addition of the tracks of the two storms as indicated by later data and the tracks of a few vessels see small charts dated september the third the fourth to the seventh and the tenth considering the early date of publication the wide expanse of ocean covered by the charts and their essential accuracy as indicated by later data it must be acknowledged i think by any one who is at all acquainted with the difficulties incident to this sort of work that this supplement to the pilot chart hit more closely to the truth in this matter than would probably be possible under similar circumstances in one case out of ten had later data materially modified conclusions drawn at such an early date it could not have been a matter of surprise although this prompt publication would still have served a most valuable purpose in interesting navigators to contribute data likely to help us in establishing the facts indeed the following quotations from the pilot chart and supplement illustrate exactly what was desired and what was actually accomplished by this publication Quote, this preliminary publication issued two weeks after the storm reached our coast well illustrates the cordial support this office receives from masters of vessels in its efforts to collect and utilize data regarding marine meteorology it is desired to collect as complete data as possible regarding this storm in order to publish a final report and the present publication will be useful as a good working basis for a more complete detailed study of the hurricane unquote. also quote, special attention is called to the fact that this preliminary publication is only intended to give a brief outline of the facts as indicated by data received up to date of publication unquote. moreover the name nationality and rig of every vessel whose report had been received in time to be used was published and every statement made in the accompanying text was based on an exhaustive study of all the data 
it is interesting to note how slightly the very complete data now at hand have modified this hastily prepared history and all the circumstances urge similar quick work and prompt publication in every case before other storms and other conditions have dulled public interest and directed attention elsewhere the track of the easternmost of the two storms as plotted on the first little chart shows that it moved more rapidly than was anticipated and recurved further north the fact is its very existence was not even suspected till two hours before the final draft of the maps was made and then only because the german steamship savona from baltimore for brazil suffered such damage from the hurricane on september the fifth see chart dated september third for position that she was obliged to run in to st thomas for repairs and our consul mr m a turner forwarded her report by the first steamer to new york the following is a brief extract from this report beginning at ten p m september the fourth full hurricane ship lying in trough of sea labouring heavily and shipping much water cargo shifted jettisoned six hundred barrels of flour and sixty tons of coal broke steam steering gear and wheel found rudder adrift three feet of water in the hold foundations of engine seriously loose and getting worse bore up for st thomas Unquote. it is impossible in the space at my disposal to refer even briefly to the reports of the few vessels whose tracks are plotted on the charts the stanch steamship ironmore foundering in the heart of the hurricane on september the fifth eleven of her crew of thirty escaping in an open boat and of these only seven surviving that fearful drift of twenty-three days the sepet between the two storms and escaping both the la salle from the tropics to block island all the way in the grasp of the hurricane without a sight of sun moon or stars to fix her position the ada bailey rolling in the long swell of hatteras and watching the early indications of the approaching storm for nearly a week before it struck her the hernan cortez forced to stand off into fearful danger by the still greater danger of a lee shore at hatteras and the city of new york teutonic and city of rome starting on their titanic race from liverpool for new york the day after this great hurricane swept past st thomas and reaching their goal with it and in spite of all its fury i must dismiss this whole interesting history with the following abstract of the report of captain simmons of the british brigandine victoria whose original report is brief and to the point like all the rest see track of the victoria northwest from st thomas on the first small chart Quote, i passed through the cyclone resulting in the total loss of the spars sails and so on of my vessel the southeast sea became so heavy that i was obliged to heave to the sky was one sheet of dark gray at times approaching black the lightning was excessive only during the latter part of the storm it appeared as a continuous quivering sheet around the great part of the horizon extending about ten degrees above it and lasting many seconds unaccompanied by thunder the compass could not be read the card spinning so that the points were indistinguishable the lowest barometer reading was twenty seven point eighty six aneroid corrected by comparison at boston shortly before and at halifax the following month unquote. the importance to navigators of a true appreciation of the law of storms 
not the mere memorization of a set of rules but an intelligent comprehension of the subject is now perhaps clearly evident to the reader at any rate that is the object i have aimed at rather than a mere formal statement of generally accepted principles and an abstruse discussion of isobars and gradients it will be seen that the probable bearing of the centre as indicated by the direction of the wind at a single station is the great question so far as the navigator is concerned there are men who want and must have a hard and fast rule an eight-point a ten-point or a twelve-point rule something to act on without thought while every nerve is strained to save the ship's spars sails boats engines and cargo from damage or destruction under such circumstances i think that perhaps the safest general plan is to use the old eight-point rule but applied to the low clouds instead of to the wind this is equivalent generally speaking to a ten-point rule applied to the wind that any such rule if intended for general application is only roughly approximate goes without saying or ought to do so at least the angle of bearing changes in different parts of the storm it varies with the quadrant with the latitude with different storms and with various other conditions too numerous to be mentioned or even wholly known one good general rule is that in rear of a hurricane the wind blows somewhat decidedly toward it and yet that there are marked exceptions is well illustrated by the chart of the hurricane of november twenty fifth eighteen eighty eight already referred to as a good example of the wind circulation in a hurricane in the tropics the accompanying diagram is of interest this represents two days the third and fifth of the great cuban hurricane of september eighteen eighty eight the intervening day september the fourth being committed for the sake of clearness its severity is sufficiently indicated by the fact that it caused the loss of fully a thousand lives in cuba and destroyed property of the estimated value of five million dollars in the single province of sagua now take any point on any one of these spiral lines and observe the bearing of the centre in rear of the storm especially the eight-point rule is hardly applicable and action based upon it might result disastrously the next and last plate entitled hurricanes in the north atlantic typical circulation of the wind from actual observation gives a still more complete illustration of the wind circulation in hurricanes with a brief discussion of the application of the eight-point rule a special attention is called to the statement made thereon referring of course to hurricanes in the north atlantic but no doubt true for the entire northern hemisphere that quote, although the eight-point rule is nearly true when the wind is anywhere from north to south by way of west that is generally speaking in the navigable semicircle it is liable to be a very poor guide when the wind is from any point in the first or second quadrant unquote. also to the following which is applicable to the southern hemisphere by the substitution of to the left for to the right Quote, perhaps the best general rule is that the centre bears about eight points to the right of the direction from which the low clouds come or what is practically the same thing eight points to the right of the wind at the moment of a sudden shift in a heavy squall after such a shift the wind will remain steady in direction for a time but the centre is meanwhile moving along and the angle of bearing changes until the next shift when it goes again to eight points and so on Unquote. 
such diagrams carefully prepared from complete and reliable data are of far greater practical value to navigators than volumes of explanation they appeal to the eye and will live in memory long after ideas conveyed by printed words have been forgotten finally let us look for a moment at two sketches that i have made to give a graphic and i hope not incorrect idea of the cloud formation and the internal structure of a hurricane in both sketches the vertical scale is of course greatly exaggerated the first illustrates particularly the great cloud bank with a bull's eye or clear central space shown in cross-section the storm wave or general elevation of the surface of the ocean caused by the spirally inblowing winds and low barometric pressure the cause oftentimes of fearful floods along low-lying coasts and the probable or possible circulation of the upper atmosphere over the whirl together with the direct and reflected rays of a vertical sun as they pour into the central calm the second sketch is to aid a clear mental conception of the actual motions of the particles of air as they flow inward below whirl about the central core and flow outward above this may help to free the mind from an erroneous idea that may be suggested by thinking of or seeing the enormous piled-up apparently stationary mass that constitutes the bara or cloud-bank of the hurricane but which is really only the stationary invisible locus where the conditions are such that the whirling rushing masses of humid atmosphere condense their tones of aqueous vapour and leave it as they pass upward and outward it is analogous to the cloud-cap or banner that hangs stationary over a lofty mountain-peak although if you visit the peak you may there find a living gale of wind in both of these sketches my object has been to try to convey an idea of the marked individuality symmetry and intensity of a tropic cyclone and its grasp upon an intimate connection with the ocean which it joins to the upper atmosphere by a huge hollow trunk with widely extended roots and spreading branches no doubt an enormous and effective conductor of atmospheric electricity too whose power is quickly shattered and destroyed by contact with the land the notable absence of thunder illustrated by the report of the victoria quoted above is of interest in this connection if i have succeeded in this and thereby given a clearer idea to the casual reader or suggested a fertile train of thought to any physicist i shall feel more than repaid for the effort i have thus attempted little more than to touch upon the practical side of this great question and this is a popular way to induce my readers to follow me to the end the many other interesting questions that might be raised and discussed must here be left untouched our efforts in the hydrographic office must be primarily to help the navigator and only secondarily to try to collect and publish facts for the scientist to study at his leisure the causes of these terrific storms are of interest to us as they may help us to depict their coming rather than for the proof of any theory or the gratification of any pet idea and if science will but improve the law of storms as practical men use it for the guidance of their vessels and the safety of their lives and cargoes entrusted to their care it will be one more welcome proof that theory and practice go hand in hand End of section four.